Check one mic, one check. Check two, check two. Hello. No, come on. Have you never done a mic microphone check before, well, sir? Here. Please. I'm fine. I'll be. I'll be right <laughs> into the mic. Much better. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to the Comedy Film Nerds podcast. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And we're going to be talking about a lot of really um, interesting films uh, today. We're going to be talking about Pete's Dragon, The Shallows, Cafe Society, Hell or High Water, uh, Nerve, and going over some cool trailers like Rogue One and Dunkirk. And a lot of, a couple surprises along the way as well. Yep. Episode 333, guys. Halfway to 666. <laughs> Episode of the Beast. <laughs> So uh, we're going to ramp up. We should have Michael Bay on that episode. <laughs> is that the end of times? Yeah, it end is. Days? Pretty much. It's the, uh, the anti-filmmaking the anti- day days. <laughs> the, the end. <laughs> so that episode with him as a guest will just open up a portal into hell? Yes, where they'll be showing better films. Right. <laughs> so even, even in hell, the films are yes, better? Yes, I think so. Yeah. All right. I'm excited for that episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the episode of The Beast. Yep. Um uh yeah we've got uh some some fun oh first i want to thank anybody that came out to the uh huntsberger junk show that i did uh this past sunday august 14th that was a lot of fun um and also anyone that was at the uh pop diva show last week uh at the improv lab so a pop divas we just recorded our fourth episode uh it's a real show i think some people don't believe they think it's a fake Oh, they're not. I think you're just doing a bit. Yeah, like aha, you and Joe Wagner aren't really talking about mm-hmm. girl pop songs that you think are great. Yeah, we mm-hmm. are. We've done mm-hmm. four of them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, if it's a joke, it's going on for a it's long going time. To, <laughs> it's four hours. Three hundred and thirty-three <laughs> hours of this goddamn joke. I'll tell you that much. Um, so yeah, check out Pop Divas, and then uh, we just added a new show to LA Podfest, The Conspiracy of Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in the 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 line- lineup is pretty much set. There's a, like three little spots that are open right now. Um, and we're talking to some people about those. Yes, some uh, cool shows in the works. Uh, going to be some some fun. A new a new different style of opening night party is going to yeah, happen. it could be really cool. We're working um, on some really neat stuff for this year. So the the tickets, the weekend passes are going. So the, there's a limited number of day passes too. The Saturday day passes are going quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so get your tickets now, lapodfest.com. And of course, if you can't make it, uh, the live video stream the pay-per-view all 40 shows and the six panels will be available yes uh live um and also archived for um the uh 30 days after the festival uh that's 25 dollars. you save five dollars if you use coupon code cfn yeah you're gonna miss will wheaton come on will wheaton's it's gonna be amazing come on now uh, Will Anderson from Tofop, of course, is flying down. Him and Charlie, are, I think, are flying up from Australia. They're doing this that crazy oh, thirty six hours. They're spending of more travel. of travel for, to, <laughs> to be here for twenty four hours or something like Good that. Good for them. Um, so that'll be cool, guys. Go to lapodfest.com. That means well, we're gonna have to do it at some point. I'm gonna have to. 
Well, we've done it already. I we know. Can watch it. I'll go down yeah. there. Just to, anybody wants to drop the, the, the money, we'll come down to Australia and record a CFN episode. <laughs> Again. Again. Um, and, you, and as we've been proven, we, you don't need to live there. No, no. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's introduce our guest, um, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll let him go into what, what his film background is. Yes, uh, introduced the David Huntsberger introduced us, and of course he was on the show that we just did Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen, Samuel Prime. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Sure, man. Um, so go into your you have a uh, you do a lot of film restoration and film ad, ad, advocacy. Yeah, so tell us what you've been working on. Absolutely, and what, you've done. Uh, my and background, what exactly is film advocacy? Because yeah. listeners may not know. Of course, yeah. My background is all in like film archiving and film history. And for me, what film advocacy is is just supporting old, forgotten, lost movies in every possible aspect of life. That means film restoration. That means writing actively about films that may have so fallen So go into restoration map. real quick because mm-hmm. some people might not know yeah, of course. Like what that process is. Well, first and foremost, I think the heart of film restoration is based in obsession. It's becoming obsessed with a movie that maybe isn't out there or is forgotten in some way. I think the best case study, at least in my own history, is a film called Catch My Soul, which is a 1974 rock musical version of Othello. Uh, that was uh, s- s- directed by Patrick McGowan and stars Richie Havens. It's a film that Patrick McGowan yeah, from the from prisoner? the prisoner. Yeah, yeah. Wow! It was the only feature film that he ever directed. And Richie Havens. And Richie Havens. Richie who Havens up in the Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, he. Had, yeah. There's that great story in the Woodstock documentary um, when he went out there and just went freedom. He was like told to stall. Yeah, that's what he just said. Sometimes just like, keep going, keep they, going. They, they kept like stretching, like some yeah. band was late or something like that. And Richie Havens just, just improvised all improvised. the stuff that became kind well, of legendary. I, I mean, yeah. one of the things that's so important about film restoration is uh, the older films. Some of them are disintegrating, literally. You know, yeah, thirty-five absolutely. millimeter prints. Yeah, you open up the film can, and it'll be sometimes dust inside. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the films that are of the greatest interest to me are usually films that are sort of like in the early seventies to about the mid seventies. And that's really the time period in American film history and film history generally, where the film stock itself is kind of the most subject to degradation and discoloring. Um, in the early 1980s, they switched from like an acetate film stock to a polyester, which is much more robust and has like a longer lifespan. But these films right in that early to mid 70s point tend to fade to a sort of like pinkish reddish hue oh. and then get that uh, what they call vinegar syndrome where they start to deteriorate and you can really smell the decay of the film. Wow. But in the case of Catch My Soul, it was about becoming obsessed with this movie that came out theatrically very briefly in the New York City area and sort of in and around uh, that uh, circuit, if you will, but then completely vanished from the map. It uh, was never released on home video. It did have a sort of brief re-release under the title Santa Fe Satan several years later. (laughs) That was when the film was sold to New Line Cinema, but... For about 40 years, uh, nobody had ever seen or heard of this film. And for me, it was something I came, became completely obsessed with. I was like, I need to see this movie. And uh, through working with some really good friends and through meeting the right people who were associated with the film, we were able to, as of about November of 2015, finally strike a deal and release this movie on home video for the first time, both oh, DVD wow. and Blu-ray. Wow. So how did – now – 
In terms of specifically <clears throat> film restoration, did you study, go to school for that? Or? I did, yeah. Uh, I started studying it kind of informally at the end of undergraduate at Northwestern University. Oh, but nice. then I, I went to UCLA for a, a formal program called Moving Image Archive Studies, in which I focused very explicitly on film history, archiving, curatorial practices, and restoration. That's awesome. Now, yeah. are there different processes? I went to high school in Evanston. So I was a town. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the brothel law. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Chicago thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Northwestern is in Evanston, and so that was... They have a lot of strange laws in Evanston. Yeah, Evanston's mm. got a lot of strange laws. Famously a dry county for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, the Women's Christian Temperance Union like started in yeah. Evanston, so you couldn't buy oh, they're like my favorite band yeah. <laughs> they're phenomenal oh my god i saw them at coachella uh. like three years ago they were amazing um so what i was asking i wanted to ask is that um when you have the very old films like mm. 30s 40s sure um is the restoration process different than movies made like in the 70s and like what what are the challenges? I mean, the actual process is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I think with any film, whether it's from the 30s or the 40s or into the 70s or even earlier or more contemporary than that, it's typically a process of cleaning the film, scanning it into a sort of digital intermediate. Most of the actual restoration nowadays is done digitally and then output back to film or another digital medium. Right. Oh, okay. It's the, you know, with a film from like the 20s or 30s, and a film, say, like Catch My Soul from the 70s, what you might actually be doing digitally is a little bit different. You know, a black and white film from the 30s might not need the same degree of oh, right. uh, like color grading mm-hmm. as a film that had faded to the sort of like deep red or pink color as Catch My Soul had. Um, so there's a lot of I different color I wish Tawan was on this episode right yeah. now so we could go into the specifics because he, he's, he's a color, oh, yeah. he does color correction <laughs> and what, what the grading would be from a movie from the 70s. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Now, um, sometimes, like, I know there's a story about Metropolis where, you know, you could, they could never find a completed film for years and years and years. There was always missing footage. Like, if mm-hmm. you watch Metropolis, there's cards that come up when their footage is missing. And then a few years ago, someone found a completed print. So that has to be guys like you that were literally been searching for it for years. Yeah, and sometimes that kind of stuff happens so randomly too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think with Metropolis, I think we'll be getting new versions of that film every five years. You know, for the end of time, basically. <laughs> um, but with something like Catch My Soul and these other mm-hmm. sort of more marginal, lesser known films, mm-hmm. it really is just kind of. In most cases, it takes someone who really is has a kind of laser-like focus on this title and say and says to themselves or amongst colleagues, like, this is something worth consideration. Even if it didn't quite work in its original release or if it's been missing for 40 years, having it back on shelves and having someone uh, in any town, in any whether it's America or, or whether you're you're living anywhere around the world, to be able to go to like a video store or just log on and go to Amazon and order a copy of this thing is something of value and is worth pursuing. That's what happened with uh, Mark Allen Miller when he mm-hmm. um, tracked down the Nightbreed footage right. when, mm-hmm. uh, when they did the director's cut. It, that story that they told here on one of the previous episodes is was amazing. Like uh, some of the, like the old VHS were like, like sitting in Clyde Barker's house and they didn't know it. And, right. then, and then they finally found like in a warehouse, the actual footage to be able to put it together. It's amazing. I, I, I love the sort of, um, 
the mystery surrounding some of the right. restoration <laughs> in terms of like what we found this box yeah. of thing and a guy, a guy had a yard sale or whatever. Like at some point in the story, it's always like the footage disappears somewhere. Right. Yeah, and you have, yeah. and it's like you have to be a detective to this, track it down. It really is kind of like mm-hmm. detective work. You'd be surprised or, or maybe not about how many times uh, like films are saved by almost accident or just by happenstance that films by these independent filmmakers in the seventies, the sixties, the eighties are just sitting in their garage uncared for. And all it takes is someone who says, Hey, where's that film? Well, you know, why isn't that film available? And they just can, you know, make a phone call, contact the filmmaker and like literally just go spelunking into their garage and say, Oh yeah, there's that movie I made. 30 years ago. <laughs> and then it, you know, gets into the hands of responsible caretakers like UCLA or like the Academy and then can be properly preserved and cared for and cleaned and mm-hmm. hopefully made available in more uh, consumer mediums like DVD and Blu-ray. That's things awesome. Like that. hmm. That's awesome. Um, all right. What are you, any, any restoration you're working on currently? Not right now. Um, the two most recent uh, titles that I've worked on were Catch My Soul, which came out in November of last year, and uh, a film by James B. Harris called Some Call It Loving, which came out earlier in 2015. Right now, um, I find myself kind of obsessed with a couple of titles. Some that are, as you alluded to earlier, uh, it, it's it's very much like detective work. It's about mm-hmm. putting together the pieces and trying to get in touch with these people who were independent filmmakers working outside of a mm-hmm. studio system, outside of uh, any major distributors. And, and sort of the difficulty that comes with that is tracing ownership and trying to figure out contact names and info for companies and people who might not exist any longer. Uh, In particular, the couple of titles I'm really fascinated with now and sort of trying to do my detective work on, one is a film called Hollywood 90028 by a female film director named Christina Hornisher. It's a sort of like exploitation, sexploitation picture, again, from sort of like the mid-70s, about um, a guy living in Los Angeles and sort of wanting to work professionally in the film world, but settling for being a cinematographer for these like nudie-cutie porno films. (laughs) And uh, it's kind of a horrifying movie um, in that he's sort of driven by his extreme loneliness to hurt everyone around him and not just emotionally hurt them, but to actually like strangle and kill the people he loves. Uh, It's an incredible movie, uh, a movie that captures a lot of Los Angeles, both geographically and sort of in the emotional spirit of it as well. And it's something that was just produced by companies and people who no longer exist. A company called American Films Limited. I don't know who they are. <laughs> you know? And Christina Hornisher doesn't exist any longer. She passed away about 10 years ago. So, you know, it is detective wow. work in some way or another. That's so fascinating because, like, that, the you know, the 70s produced so many dark you betcha. really like you know there was there was such a in america you know you had the post vietnam post watergate civil rights feminism all of these like america was really questioning yeah. itself on a lot of levels you had everything from easy rider to dirty harry and there was yeah. all sorts of it ran the, the because the you're gamut. also coming off of two kennedys getting assassinated 
Martin Luther King. <laughs> it was unquestionably a nihilistic time. Like everyone was like, what is the point? You know, environmentalism <laughs> was finally getting talked about and overpopulation. And That's another thing with this movie. The ending is so nihilistic. Right. I, I, I don't I don't want to spoil it for you, but I mean, it is just it's something that once seen absolutely cannot be forgotten. Right. Because if you look at like Planet of the Apes, Omega Man. You know, like Dirty Harry. It was all these like the end of the movie was never like the wave the flag we won. It's like no, Dirty no, Harry no, no, chucks no. his badge into the water yeah. and is like, I'm out. You yeah. can, know, I, like, can I spoil the ending of Hollywood 90028? Sure. Ooh, all right. Spoiler yeah, alert, spoiler guys. Alert. It's Hollywood. Because keep in mind, this is a movie that you may never be able to see. Yeah, it's so, so. <laughs> with, with any luck, hopefully people will be able to see this. Mm-hmm. The only version of it that I know that exists in a, like a viewable form currently is a rip that someone made online from like a early 1980s UK VHS cassette under the wow. title Insanity in all capital letters. All right, so spoiler alert for Insanity or Hollywood 90028. Also known as Twisted Throats or the Hollywood Hillside Strangler okay. in different releases. So the end of the movie is sort of the pinnacle of sadness for this character, Mark. He's finally in a relationship with a woman. He's He thinks he's on the verge of happiness. They sleep together, and he wakes up the next morning, and he strangled the woman that he loves. And so the final shot of the film is a shot uh, that pulls away very quickly, but it's him hanging himself on the Y in the Hollywood sign. <laughs> <laughs> and it start. It begins with a close up as he jumps off the Y, mm-hmm. and it's this extreme like helicopter shot of a helicopter moving backwards, and so you see his body dangling. Yeah, there were no drones back then. No the cameras on. Yeah, that's a helicopter shot. Yeah. This that's is a- clearly like an illegally obtained shot and totally guerrilla style. You know, wow, with a helicopter, and it's just like as and him as his yeah. scream sort of reverberates on the soundtrack it's just something that absolutely cannot be forgotten one scene <laughs> well that's our episode guys right. uh, <laughs> on that happy good note. luck <laughs> show business is hard guys yeah. um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. alright well let's talk some movies now let's, yes. let's get into let's some let's do movies. it let's start with Pete's Dragon after that uh, <laughs> yeah after the Hollywood suicide <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to fun so, little kids movie. Yes. Um, now, it, uh. this was a really interesting movie to watch just from a filmmaking perspective and a marketing perspective. Um, Disney is going through their vault and basically remaking a lot of these old films and also remaking the animated movies as live action. Now, Pete's Dragon was a um, an oddity at its time where it was a... a live action feature but with an animated dragon so it was a hybrid kind of movie the original and they're sort of doing that again sort of jungle what they did with jungle book kind of well not really it was more like now with the um advancement in computer graphics it was basically a photorealistic dragon so yes it's animated but it looks more like the (laughs) the background live action characters in it. so it's all it's a live action movie oh Uh, and then the only um computer generated character is the is the dragon um so the original one came out in 1977. Yes. So it, it's interesting too because it was really following kind of like this this Jungle Book um, uh, kind of like a plot line where yeah here's a boy trapped in the wild for a long time the dragon finds him and raises him but then he gets back to the uh, civilization 
and some A-list movie stars, like uh, <laughs> Robert Redford, who's not quite in the movie as much as you would think from the trailer. Right. And, uh, you know, he got, <laughs> he did, wasn't in it quite as much. Oh, okay. Um, and Dallas Bryce Howard, who, by the way, is the best thing that Ron Howard ever made. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. Grand Theft Auto is pretty good. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto is pretty great. <laughs> I love Grand Theft Auto. So, but here was what's really interesting about this movie. There's not one frame, not one image at all that is uh, different, surprising, or not like signed off by a thousand Disney executives. Uh-huh. Like it was literally, it was by the book remake filmmaking. Whereas Jungle Book was really interesting. I mean, John Favreau did some interesting things with it. Where this one, it's you know, boy gets lost, befriends an animal, quote, dragon. Um, the other loggers find it dangerous. They go out to chase him, Carl Urban. Everyone kind of walks through the parts. I mean, Dallas Bryce Howard and Robert Redford try to bring something to the script, but there's there's just nothing there. I mean, you've seen it a uh, hundred times before, but here's where it gets interesting. Um, the film is not a family film. It's a kid's film. 100% kids. There's no, uh, very few, unless they're for a nostalgic perspective, uh, are going to see this movie. It's not like a Pixar movie where everyone kind of goes to see it. So um, kids should go to go alone. Kids should go movie. alone, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I would say, like, it almost like skewed like eight and under, but my 11-year-old still liked it. So I would say probably 12 and under, but uh, there is no effort to entertain an adult in that film at oh, all. Wow. <laughs> there is It literally is for kids. Hmm. Um, and it, I, to be fair, it is marketed that way, too. This is a kid kids movie it's it's really a g movie but for also for marketing no one puts g on it anymore because well no it has to be at least pg for you know for even the eight-year-olds to be interested anymore yeah (laughs) so it was one of those real by the numbers um filmmaking now was it incompetently made or anything like that no it was just a literally paint by the numbers family movie that we've done before and that uh, it was, you know, like I said, it looked like a hundred Disney executives signed off on every single shot and scene. Because the, I mean, um, that that would make sense because, like, the director is is David DeLowry, who did Anthem Body Saints and Saint Nick and Dead Room, who has sort of a gritty indie background. Right, uh, and then, yeah, believe me, he was uh, he was clamped down okay. on. There was nothing, like I said, there was not one interesting shot or sequence or frame that you go, oh wow, I've never seen that before. That was really interesting. Even the dragon design alone, like, it, you know, the the little, uh, we have a little trivia that was made furry to seem be more huggable. Um, and also, the dragon is made kind of to look a little bit like a dog. To see, kind of like, oh, you know, it's it's man's the, best friend, and it's you know the kid's friend, the yeah. Dragon. So, <laughs> and so there's nothing even that um, menacing about the dragon, like, and I know that's that's kind of not the point, but still, it would be interesting if like there was some different thematic element put put in this uh, movie, like even the beginning when like you know you have to explain how this kid ended up in the forest alone, where the dragon finds him, you know, car accident parents die but even that is handled so kind of like sanitized that it's like okay well we know what happened you don't have to sanitize everything because we've seen from disney movies they don't have to be sanitized and you know it's an interesting difference between like uh, the golden age of live action disney filmmaking there was always like those two tracks there was always the ones that were made for kids like apple dumpling gang and you know the herbie movies and all those but then you also had 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Treasure Island, where these were classic stories that they were made, but and they were made um, and they were not dumbed down or kidified. Right. So 
whereas uh, Jungle Book, I th- thought, went more towards, well, this is going to entertain everyone. This one is like, no, this is specifically for kids. We're not even going to pretend it's for adults. So I would say if you don't have children, there's no reason for you to see this film at all. Um, so it was, um, it was, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, but I will say it was, you know, competently made, uh, basically good entertainment for a child 12 and under. And that's pretty much all it is. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about hell or high water. Yes. Also um, a kid's movie. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Fun family film. It's two brothers uh, yeah. going on some wacky bank robbing hijinks in West Texas. Yeah. Um, the sad thing is that that would have been a live action Disney movie like 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they've got a talking horse yeah. that helps them rob the banks. I would so fucking watch that. I'd watch movie. that. I'd watch that. This, a this bank movie, robbing horse? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Bucky the bank robbing yes. horse. Hand over the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Green light it. Yeah. This did not have a bank robbing horse, mm. um, sadly. God damn it. Um, need a sequel. This film, uh, <clears throat> it, I think it's got kind of a limited release. Yes. And I just, I'm not going to see Suicide Squad. I can't do it. So um, I can't blame you. I, <laughs> uh, Our guest you has a different it. opinion on that. Yes. But, uh, well, again... Assault on Arkham. See that instead. Okay. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate Suicide Squad. Didn't didn't do it. Didn't hate it. Mm. All right, guys, you can crucify talk to me, Samuel, online about yes. that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hit me up at s at sb prime on Twitter and yell at me a lot. <laughs> Uh, my favorite part of you saying you didn't hate it, though, was when you went, well, don't get me wrong. It is a mess. It is a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. But as someone who was not at all familiar with these characters, right. I know I'm in the minority for that. You enjoyed it for what it was. But I enjoyed it for what it was. And mm. I think that there's actually spectacular production design, spectacular costumes. But with the caveat, I do want to see a re-edit of the movie with absolutely no dialogue. That's not enough to make me want to go see it, which is why yeah. I saw Hell, Hell or High Water. So. Um, I like this film a lot, actually. It's so the basic story is um, uh, Ben Foster is and Chris Pine are brothers. Ben mm-hmm. Foster is like out of, been out of he's a trouble in and out of prison guy. He's out of prison. Right. Um, and that's their names, Hell and High Water. Yeah, it's, 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 oh my it's, God. it's a cop duo, and the, the poster is them like shoulder to shoulder, like you know, it's a living yep. with a horse. Yeah, with a talking horse. <laughs> oh, High Water, get in here! Um, oh hell! Oh, High Water, oh. you are more like your brother. Um, so. Uh, uh. <laughs> you guys are hellbent on making this a stupid movie. <laughs> I think you mean an incredible movie. Incredible film, right. The best movie that's ever been made. Yes. Uh, so now, tell us about the high water. It's 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 <laughs> How high does the water get? Well, yeah, the water is gets really high. Um there's no flooding in this, guys. How high water is an expression, <laughs> guys, that that, uh, that is used. Uh, it's a sort of a colloquial parlance, um, <laughs> meaning I'm going to do this no matter what. Right. Okay. So just to clarify, and, and you guys or any other morons listening to this show, um, so it's. it's <laughs> so what's this movie so about? This movie is about these two brothers. Uh, their family farm is facing foreclosure, mm-hmm. 
And would you say the farm is underwater? I would, yes, Chris, <laughs> it is underwater. Again, not literally. That's a financial term. So we're going to go over through a lot of different how to terms, guys. A lot of cute local phrases yeah. and cultural idioms. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so they're, they've realized that our only option is to rob banks. Okay, and this movie. Um, has a lot of social commentary about the banking industry there and they're and they're all in it, the whole movie takes place in these small towns in west texas where like the pop you know the one town there's the, the and, and jeff bridges is is the cop who's about to retire um who's like i got one more hunt in me you know so there's a, there's, uh-huh. there's 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 that mm-hmm. um he is riding a cliche horse through fucking <laughs> cop town but but it's handled well and jeff bridges is the was gr- it right before retirement oh yeah i mean literally <laughs> like but i'll give without giving any spoilers this movie and and the director uh david mckenzie um mm-hmm. who actually directed a movie called asylum in 2005 that is awesome <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, hope his movie is getting confused with mine. Oh, that'd be great. His fans are like, "What is this?" <laughs> um, he's done a bunch of films I really haven't heard of much. Tonight, your mind, perfect sense, spread. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, it, it's it's he's an interesting um, he's an interesting in, in, filmmaker, and that's done a lot of indie stuff. The thing I liked about this movie is there are some kind of cliches and stuff set up in the beginning that get played with and um so so that i don't want to i don't want to give any more away but that that is really interesting so and the movie also has a really great sense of humor these two brothers and then there's just all this sort of they cast my guess is he cast a lot of people from west texas that are like they're great character actors and they're all West Texas. Like, you know, I'd string him up and wrap up, you know, like mm-hmm. I'll have him field dressed and on my hood in 30 minutes, you know, <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of that. Um, and, um, so there's this great sense of humor to it. And then this sort of brutality of, you know, this is no joke holding armed, armed bank robbery is not a fun. It's not a joke. It's not a video game. Um, right. And Jeff Bridges, uh, and, and he's a Texas Ranger. So, um, and, you know, there's some cool stuff in the beginning. He's brought, and he's like, do you want this? He's like, how come the FBI doesn't take it? It's, this FBI handles bank robbery. Well, these guys were smart enough to only take small amounts of cash and, you know, whatever's in the drawer and they don't take the hundreds and all this stuff. And it's like, okay. Now, does that not trigger an FBI investigation? Is that what they were doing? That's what they're saying. They're saying an FBI investigation, I don't know if this is actually the truth, but this is the the pretense in the Mm. film, is that an FBI investigation is triggered when you steal large, like, we got a hundred grand out of the bank. These guys are getting like seven, eight grand to throw. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're doing that intentionally and they're hitting the bank that is leaning on them for the mortgage. So it is this big, like, and, and then there's this kind of some of the small town people are like, that bank's been stealing from me for years. Good for, you know, like there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just a commentary, like they're in this small town and, and Jeff Bridges and his, uh, this younger Texas Ranger, who's, uh, his character is half Latino and half native American. Um, so Jeff Bridges is making all of these dumb racist jokes, which is sort of funny the mm-hmm. way he's the old man, Texas style. And then, right. and, um, 
And then the, the, the guy's like getting annoyed and pissed off with, it, and then he starts giving him back, and Bridges is like, there you go, now you're getting the hang of it, you told me, you know? Like, um, uh, but he's sitting there, and they're like, look, we're in this small town. There's one diner with this mean waitress, the hardware store selling stuff twice as much as Home Depot. What, like, it's sort of, I don't know, and it's written by Taylor Sheridan, um, who uh, is done a lot of acting mm. um but also taylor sheridan has done um some of the he wrote um sicario so <laughs> talk about a great movie that's a great movie and you want to talk about a film like he has way more actor credits huh. on tv he's a tv actor he's been in a million tv shows but but his first writer credit is sicario now you want to talk about a movie with social commentary and I mean, so, so it's, this is, it's really cool. What, what, how he's, how this writer is, is commenting on, on this and like the, there's a, there's a spray paint, there's graffiti on, it says three tours to Iraq, but I didn't get a bailout. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just short of sewing how like the working man has been screwed over by the banks at every right. turn and, and everyone is falling victim to this. Um, so that 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 is really interesting and and you know Ben Foster plays such a great fuck up. He's just a in many different films. Oh god, he's <laughs> so good at it and playing this like Texas, you know, cowpoke in and out of prison. Wasn't he an alpha dog? He played this yeah, man. Is he in the 310 to Yuma remake too? Yeah, yes. he's in that yes. too. Uh-huh. He disappears into characters, I feel like. Yeah, he he's, does. To his credit. To his to credit. credit. Yeah. And it's 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 a testament because it's not like, oh, there's Ben Foster doing his Ben Fosterisms. Mm-hmm, You're like, right. that's a believable character. And you also don't realize like he's actually younger than he looks in some of these characters. Yeah, yeah he's like he's true. at least forty in here. No, nope, he isn't. He seems like the kind of actor who'd like pull out a tooth for a role. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He would have so. no reservations about it. He'd be like, no front teeth. Okay, do it. Mm-hmm. Got pull it. Out. Not that that's what Ben Foster sounds like, but um, I think he's a committed mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. But also, then it's really great to see Chris Pine. Chris Pine is a pretty boy. He's leading man. He's Captain right. Kirk. You know, he's mm-hmm. in a lot of rom-coms and shit like that. And this is, he's, you know, a smart guy that like, I don't know what else to do. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really, it, the, their dynamic is really compelling. Um, and then the, the Jeff Bridges and, and his, his cop buddy is, dy- is, is compelling. And then how those, guys interact with other people as they're committing the crimes and as as Jeff Bridges is chasing them down. And so there's just a lot of you know great scenes where Jeff Bridges is, you know, in, in interviewing people after the fact to get stats and how he does hmm. his police work and it's really it's a really it's just a surprising film. In the in the sense like I'm very, I saw a trailer a couple months ago. I was like in a theater and saw a trailer. There's not a lot of press for this film. And I was like Huh? Wait, wait a minute. What? You know, like this could be, this could be really good. It's worth seeing. Mm. And it's 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 really cool. And they like I said, they shot it in New Mexico apparently, mm. probably because of all the tax credits you get in New Mexico. But I'd love to know anybody for now. Who, yeah, for now. <laughs> I'd love to know anybody who lives or is from West Texas to get what their take mm. on, take on this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morgan, I know you live in Texas. I'm not. I can't remember if it's West or East Texas. But it, to to know, did this feel accurate to you? Or was it a 
Hollywood version of it. It felt accurate to me just because I was like the casting. I was like, those are, those are Texans. That's not a, that's not a guy from LA, (laughs) you know? Um, so it's really cool. And I, and I think, um, you know, if this is Taylor Sheridan's first two scripts, yeah. And, and Mackenzie, like uh, David Mackenzie, I'm all for it. So it was a good, it was a good movie. I, I, uh, I liked it a lot. Cool. All right. Well, then let's go to The Shallows. This is a movie that I believe is still playing uh, in a couple of theaters, and we missed it. It was uh, Blake versus Shark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie. I mean, was this on like its... that. Remember that Spielberg movie, The Chase? Was it like that with like a surfer and a shark? Uh... <laughs> Wait, what movie is this? <laughs> what are you talking about? Spielberg's first tell it before he did Jaws. He did a TV movie. I think it was called The Chase. Duel. Duel. That was Duel. That's what it's called. Yeah, it yeah. was Duel. And uh, but it was like that. It was literally a car versus a truck. I'm surprised you didn't uh, compare it to that other movie Steven Spielberg made. What was it called? Oh yeah, Jaws. <laughs> didn't feel like Jaws. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, Blake Lively is America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anyone who can deliver the line with a straight face. Um, while I was having orgasms, he was having wargasms. That's <laughs> What's that from? That's from uh, Savages, the Oliver Stone movie, yeah. which is terrible. Um, <laughs> Anyone who can deliver that line with a straight face for me like wins a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Didn't commit herself to that kind of a role in a garbage movie called Savages. But for this, uh, Blake Lively basically plays a kind of gringa on a vision quest uh, who's sort of lamenting the death of her mom and decides to go visit this beach that was very important to her mother. And in doing so, doesn't really bother to tell anyone where she's going, why she's doing this, and, you know, ends up... Plays right into the shark's hands. Plays right into the <laughs> shark's hands. And it's a very simple summer movie. I mean, it's it's no more than the sum of its parts, really. It's, it's Blake Lively getting stranded on a rock and having to fend herself off and sort of uh, fight against all the odds and against time to... You know, uh, mend her own wounds. Because uh, doesn't the tide come in too? And, yeah, the mm. tide plays a major factor in this movie. Mm-hmm. Although um, I would add that the tide like isn't a problem at the very beginning, but then suddenly is a problem. <laughs> Not sure why that's true, <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's a whole backstory of like Blake Lively wanting to like go to med school and become a doctor. So because of that, she's able to treat her wounds and. You know, that's a little uh, hackneyed and a little bit annoying, but really, this is a summer movie about... Like, There's some great line of dialogue like, Mom, are we going to go over the med school thing again? Like, is it that? Like, There is a little bit of that kind of stuff happening. You know, it's like a lot of Blake Lively looking at her phone and looking at, like, pictures of her mom who, like, right. died of cancer or something. But, I mean, really, this is a Just movie that, like, that good is... Good thing I took that survival course anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, that's convenient. Um <laughs> Good thing I took that shark fighting course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's kind of like, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but it's like exactly what shark I want in a summer movie. It's exactly what I want in a summer movie. Mm-hmm. It's Blake Lively fights shark. Yes, sign mm-hmm. me up. I also saw this movie at like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday at the Grove. I was literally the only person in the theater. Oh, wow. You're going to, you know, do you have kids? I do not. Yes, because that's dad time to see movies. It's uh, it's an amazing time to see movies. Yeah. Like that that movie works, I think. I mean, I don't have anything to compare it against because I only saw this movie once. But it, for me, worked excellently well. 
being the only person in a giant dark theater. I felt like the shark was going to come after me. <laughs> also, Blake Lively fucking lights this shark on fire. If that doesn't sell a ticket, no, I don't know what uh, is. Spoiler alert. That might be a spoiler alert. Nah. <laughs> you need to know that going in. Yeah. You need to know that going in. Blake Lively lights a fucking shark on fire. All right. All right. That's great. Um, so the next movie is Cafe Society. This is Woody Allen's uh, 47th directed film. Mm-hmm. Ugh, stop already. And uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of interesting trivia. Like, it's the first one he's shot digitally. And Steve Carell replaced Bruce Willis, who was fired after the cast, tired of his behavior and his inability to remember his lines. Which was is he wearing uh, a Trump really hat the whole time? I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, it's, it's really oh, funny. Oh, dear. Um, so, a logical like, replacement, though. And also, when you do a Woody Allen movie, there's the cast is usually so large. How many days are you really working? I mean, you right. couldn't pull it together for, what, a few days? <laughs> Um, now, the thing about Woody Allen movies is they always have this, uh, there's certain elements in every single one. There's um, the young character who is surprisingly like Woody Allen, like Jesse Eisenberg plays like, mm, right. like with the young Woody Allen. And uh, um, it was a really kind of fun anti-summer movie. Like, you know, I just got tired of watching things blow up. And to watch like kind of a, a period piece set in the... 30s about you know basically cafe society in hollywood and in new york and it was like a, a really nice just kind of like a palate cleanser if you will for with summer movies um however there's a couple things that i want woody allen to stop doing um in his films there's a lot of things i'd like him to stop doing in his life but uh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in his molesting films, your kids yeah. stuff like that <laughs> yeah uh in his films like this has to be an ego thing. Like, he does a voiceover throughout the entire film. I don't need it narrated by Woody Allen. And then there was one spot where Jesse Eisenberg did the voiceover. I'm like, okay, well, are we switching? Is this a younger or older version? And I'm like, nope. It was completely random. It was Jesse Eisenberg does one voiceover, and the rest are all is just Woody Allen literally narrating the film, which we did not need mm. at all. So... That does seem completely uh, I, egregious. And I will say Kristen Stewart did a nice job. You know, it's interesting to see her with an actual character, what she can do with it. Um, it wasn't a 100% fully fleshed out character, but it was better than someone falling in love with a vampire. So it's still, it was it was nice to see. Did you see Clouds of Souls Maria? I have mm-hmm. not seen mm-hmm. that. Yeah. She, She's Chris, very good yeah. at that. Yeah. Kristen Stewart yeah. is amazing in that So it's movie. nice to actually see her get, you know, some material. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's the best example of Kristen Stewart, I, I think, so with, too. with good, with a good right. script yeah. and a good character. And, I'll have to see that. And how she's able to, you know, we I talked about when that movie came out, but, like, she's the assistant to the movie star, so she's not the number one figure in that world right you know mm-hmm. what i mean so she's usually the focus of whatever world she's in mm-hmm. and she kind of isn't in that one which is more interesting to me right uh, anytime a big star like that and I, I really do think kristen stewart is a big star mm-hmm. uh has a kind of supporting role or is a little bit left of center i think that's when they really shine i mean you mentioned chris pine earlier i yeah. think he is the most entertaining and and really resonates the most for me when he is in these kind of sideline characters. Right? Well, yeah, that, again, and that's why why Heller High Water worked is because it isn't Chris Pine starring yeah, Chris yeah. Pine. It's right. like this on it's mm-hmm. it's an it's a it's three big name actors. Mm-hmm. So they're all just given really good parts and that's what works. But anyway, 
Yeah, so so this movie was kind of like a little little pieces of every other Woody Allen movie. You've right. got you know someone um, moving out to Hollywood in the '30s to try to make their make their way, and you know, and you've you've Ooh. got the, you know you've got the brother who's a gangster. You know, you've got yeah. a little bit of bullets over Broadway. Ooh. You've got a little bit of a little bit of something. You've got uh, um, a uh, married man falling in love with a much younger woman that is also in there. Um, but the thing I liked about also, it boo. is that uh, yeah. It is, um, like I said, it was just because it came out in the summer. It was like kind of this anti-explosion movie where you can actually sit and watch characters and dialogue and human relationships. And it was, uh, if it kind of came out like during Oscar season, it's interesting. I don't think I would have liked it as much. Like, because that's when you're actually seeing all of the good drama. Mm -hmm. Like, like this movie is nowhere near like Blue Jasmine, which I really liked. This one is more like, all right, well, this is kind of other Woody Allen movies cobbled together. But because it came in the summer and because I've seen a lot of stuff blow up, I actually I did find myself enjoying it as like a um, almost like a diversion to what the other summer movies mm-hmm. are. So it's worth a view. This is a plain movie. So wait, I want to know yeah. why, Sammy, why you have so many boos to all of yeah. us. Are you just done with Woody Allen, or what is it? I, I, I totally am. I'm totally mm. done. Um, I've never really been a fan of Woody Allen's movies. I've never really naturally gravitated towards them. I've maybe seen, I don't know. Out of the 47, how, how I, I've seen? probably seen five, maybe. Mm. And they have all been garbage to me. Wow. Um the only one that I sort of liked was Midnight in Paris, and I think that is also the most recent one I have seen, too. Right, which came out. But even that yeah. felt to me And that like, was Owen Wilson playing Woody Allen. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for me, that movie is also, like, the reason that I am sort of entranced with it is because of its setting, you know? It's yes. because of its its existence in sort of 20s Paris. And that's know? one of the charms of this film, too. You look at the kind of, basically, it's, it's in the title, it's Cafe. It's just that society in Hollywood, but then also in yeah. New York. Now, it's not quite the love letter to old Hollywood that the last Coen Brothers movie was. Mm-hmm. The one mm-hmm. that uh, came out, uh, I can't remember. Blank Hail name, Caesar. Yeah, Hail Caesar, yeah. Um, it doesn't have that kind of affection. It just kind of has it more as the setting and it's more about like basically the society that everyone kind of, um, uh, and the circles that they would go into parties and all those things. Uh, Steve Carell plays, you know, he plays the sleazy agent and it's, but again, he does a good job with it. It, He's Mm -hmm. interesting to watch. I can't, it's interesting. I couldn't imagine watching Bruce Willis in that role after seeing Steve Carell in it. I'm like, I think it, think it worked out better yeah um so it's it's by far not his best film but it is charming and it is um uh it is a good diversion from summer movies right now so all right samuel you saw nerve yeah tell us about this film i don't know much about it oh brother nerve it's uh it's like the new genie ryan novel uh, news to me. News to me. <laughs> Basically, for me, this was um, something that I wasn't too aware of prior to seeing it. Oh, I did see a trailer for this. The trailer for this gives away too much. So okay. if someone hasn't seen the trailer yet, I really advise against it. I watched it after watching the movie, okay. and I was like, I probably would not have gone to see the movie had I seen the trailer. But that said, this is a movie by the same people who made the documentary Catfish. Uh, a number of years ago, mm-hmm. and this is Juiced and Ariel Ariel Shulman. Shulman yeah. yeah, 
And this movie is kind of startlingly contemporary in that it is all about like an augmented reality game. It's basically a kind of truth or dare minus the truth aspect. It's like if Periscope had a dare function. <laughs> and it's kind of like this clandestine app that like all the hip kids are using, like right. all the hacker kids. And um, parents just don't get parents it. Parents don't even know about it, man. Don't tell your parents. <laughs> don't tell the apps either. <laughs> um, so you, like, you can log on to this app and you can choose to be a player or a watcher. And if you're a watcher, you just get to participate and sort of come up with dares for the people who are the players. And the main uh, actors in this are Dave Franco and Emma Roberts, who sort of, by virtue of this app slash game, sort of run into each other when Emma Roberts is dared to sort of kiss a stranger in a sort of public space. And Dave Franco happens to be holding her favorite book, which is also his dare, you find out shortly thereafter. So she targets him, they kiss, and they end up becoming so it was like dare a, partners. It was like a meet-cute app. Sort of. Is it sort, sort of, of is it sort of like the the modern version of the game with uh, It is. Right. It is a lot like that movie. And I mean, I love David Fincher's The Game and I love Michael Douglas in that movie. This is very much a modern version of that. And for me, it is it's absolutely the most fun I've had at the movies this summer. Oh wow. Um, it's it doesn't quite stick the landing as it's transitioning into the third act. Right. It shakes a little bit. But I think I can forgive that because what precedes it is just such it's a fun riotous movie. fun. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't take itself too seriously. Like it mm-hmm. knows how ridiculous the premise is. Right. The idea of embracing this kind of contemporary culture mm-hmm. and throwing these people into situations where they're basically asked to mm-hmm. either risk their lives or to simply embarrass themselves. Mm-hmm. I think part of the delight for me, though, in seeing this movie, I have to admit, was the context in which I saw it which was uh, on opening day at the AMC Century City Theaters, like in the Westfield Mall. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, uh, the only other people seeing the movie at Century City that day fit into one of two categories. The first category was hugely, grossly overweight women playing Bejeweled. (laughs) They did not seem to know one another, but they all acknowledged that each other was playing Bejeweled. Not kidding. It was a real thing that happened. And the other thing was unaccompanied children. Really? It was the most bizarre viewing experience I've had maybe in my lifetime, (laughs) but certainly within the last year. I was just like, why are all these children here? Why are all these overweight women playing Bejeweled in this theater? You think maybe you got catfished at the screening? I think I did get catfished. (laughs) I think the nerve, the nerve. (laughs) The nerve of that nerve. But yeah, it's it's still out in theaters. Uh, it's not a super wide release. Mm-hmm. I think like for me, it was either go to Century City or go to the Universal sure. City Walk to go see right. it. You know, which I would prefer to go to the Grove, which is just down the street from me. But... I'm excited to watch this movie on an international flight in the next six. Yeah, months. so you will be. This is <laughs> you gonna need low... to see this in a theater. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. It's It'll so fun. Fee. <laughs> Emma Roberts sings Wu Tang Clan's "Cream" while getting a tattoo. Nice. Right. All right. Up. Well, then I'm in. Now, yeah. Sign me up. Now right. I'm going to start playing Bejeweled. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, cake. no. <laughs> uh, so now the trailers uh, coming up. Uh, let's talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Okay. Now, this is a, a much longer trailer came out. This does break your um, rule about not seeing the Star Wars trailers. I, I got to say, 
since we started doing, I, I, I'm so torn because since we started like talking about trailers on the show, I'm watching mm-hmm. more trailers online. Right. I prefer to see big trailers like this. I wish right. I could have seen this in the theater. In the theater, yeah. That being said, it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, it looks really good. I'm so fired up. And the fact that Disney is doing this, I feel like, and I know this is a bold statement. Look, I had a lot of fun at A Force Awakens. We talked about that right. movie at great length. Um, if you're new to this show, go back and listen to our episode 300. And then we did another mm-hmm. spoiler app. We talked about that movie on two multiple s- times, <laughs> two separate episodes were completely dedicated to that film. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. It was great. I feel like, and as I talked about on those shows, having went back and watched, um, a new hope again on VHS, new hope. I love it. Great. My childhood. Right. It's not a great movie. I mean, you know, if you were to see that as an adult today, you'd go, hmm, not For the good. first time. For the very first yeah. time, mm-hmm. you'd go, not great yeah, acting. What, what is, what's going on with the effects? <laughs> you know, you'd be yeah. like, there's a lot of sexist crap from Han Solo. You'd mm-hmm. be like, there's a lot of like. It's kind of corny jokes. Corny jokes. Mm-hmm. I feel like now what they're doing, th- these, these, whatever they're being called, these other storylines or these side stories, side stories mm-hmm. I think we're going to get great stuff mm-hmm. because A Force Awakens had to do certain things. Right. It had to bring back all the original characters, which I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. And I cheered every time they showed up on screen. But I think now they can just unbridled Star Wars, let's get gritty. I think we're headed in that direction. And each movie is a step there because you also have, uh, you know, this is a prequel slash side story. So you can add the new characters and the new stories. But you still have the framework of stealing the plans, Darth Vader, the Death Star. That still has to be there in there somewhere. Uh, I think as we progress, as Disney you know, continues to explore this universe, I think you're going to see brand new stories with brand new characters that don't even have references to some of these uh, these other movies. And it's great, but I don't think we're there yet. But that being said, I think it looks great, too. I can't wait to see it. I just love watching the walkers in the jungle. Well, the thing or like, that, that, that's that was amazing really to cool. me is, is so... This is uh, the guy that directed uh, Monsters. Yes, he got uh, he he got picked up pretty quickly. He did one independent film um, on his laptop, yeah, literally, and um, then did Godzilla. And then after did that. Godzilla. Godzilla, which yeah. has a lot of fucking <laughs> giant problems. The biggest one is we never see the goddamn <laughs> Godzilla until like an hour into the film. But to me, what you're saying, Chris, of the of the they're getting the Death Star plans. That actually mm-hmm. is what is exciting to me mm-hmm. because, you know, in the original movie or whatever, that's just sort of, you know, many Bothans died getting this information. Like, yeah. that's just kind of thrown out there. Or How whatever. did Princess Leia get them? How did, mm-hmm. like, that is so, I'm so intrigued by that. And I think. I don't know. I'm I'm already, I'm getting way caught up. I think I'm I'm so fired up for this movie because I think it's going to surprise the shit out of people. I think people mm. are kind of like, oh, I cool. think it'll be good. Yeah, you know. But I I feel like it's going to do what like graphic novels did in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Going from kid, fun mm. kids and sci fi stories to like really gritty, getting into it. That's my still Disney. Mm. Still Disney. We're not going to get an R Star Wars movie. No, we're not. <laughs> we're going to get uh, We're going to get from uh, PG to. We're going to get from PG thirteen to hard PG thirteen. Yeah. that's where we're going to be pretty much. But I, I think it's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. And uh, the next one is uh, Dunkirk. 
Christopher Nolan, World Christopher War II. Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Yes, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Not to be confused with... With the other, you know, with... Uh, someone Brett else. Ratner's Dunkirk. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, say, no. say what you will about Brett Ratner. He actually does a lot of film restoration work. I don't know if you know that. I did Supports not know that. Supports a lot of... That's good. He should do more. Film. He should just stick to yeah, that. He should, yeah, he should really do more of that. <laughs> I think that's great. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> oh. Um... So I think the thing about Dunkirk, what I love about the teaser trailer is the first part of the teaser is Christopher Nolan's resume in cards, mm-hmm. like from the director of, okay, no, we, we know, we got it. Show us the, uh, show us the, uh, the money shot. And then it gets into a uh, basically teaser. set up. It is a great teaser. And uh, you can also see it, it has those shades of like Saving Private Ryan of like, these are going to be really intense battle scenes and... They're going to be state-of-the-art special effects, and we're going to make this massive and epic and grand, and we're going to put you in the middle of this uh, this battle. What did you think of the trailer, Samuel? I think it's all money shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're right. It's It doesn't tell you a lot about it, no. except that, get ready, something big is coming. Yeah, this is like, this This is a, it's literally a teaser in every sense of the word. This is a promise of like, yes, look what's coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of Christopher Nolan? I have been in the past. I, I have to be honest. I had, didn't see the most recent film of his, Interstellar. Interstellar. Mm-hmm. The idea of uh, engaging with something for three plus hours that I had zero interest in, surprise, didn't appeal to me. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about this. I enjoyed the Batman films. Mm-hmm. They sort of decreased in quality as they went along, I thought. But uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know too much about Dunkirk other than what we see in the teaser. But, I mean, if it is shot on film and if it's all practical effects, I mean, that might be... Well, there's no way it's practical effects. Just that one well, money shot. There's I mean, no maybe. Way that would have been a lot of extras. Right. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think it'll be, if he's smart, he'll do, like, what he did in the Batman films, which mm. is practical on, like, the close-up stuff. Sure. Right. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. the car chases and the, the, the that stuff right. was yeah. in mm-hmm. a lot of, like, Batman stunts he did mm-hmm. practically. Um, and then... The bigger wide, I mean, yeah. obviously the wide shots, you have to right. go. Yeah, you have, you have to, to go. go yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not a snob about CGI, mm-hmm. but I'm a huge fan of narratively supported use of CGI. Yes. Well, yes, of course. Like, if it is With the exception for... of Suicide Squad. So, <laughs> when clearly there was an extra CGI budget when um, a random member of the team got to turn into a monster. So. It's on, bitch. <laughs> Spoiler alert on Suicide Squad. <laughs> My kingdom for a gif of that moment. Or gif. <laughs> um, Yell at me on Twitter some more about that. <laughs> All right, let's go into DVDs. DVDs. Uh, the Angry Birds movie. Um, this sure. was a terrible film. Uh, and I didn't expect it to be good, but I thought it would at least be watchable. It was not. It was absolutely play the game, pay the play, pay the ninety nine cents, play the game, avoid this film. Right. Um, the next one is God's Not Dead Two. I didn't see the first one, but I'm assuming God still isn't dead in yeah. the sequel. When a high school teacher is asked a question in class about Jesus, her response lands her in deep trouble. Mm, yes. Who is responsible for this? Because uh, <laughs> who, who did it, this? It, it's interesting. The the sequel. I read the description. It's basically about. Um, uh, how Christians have to kind of navigate modern life and how um, they're, they they're, they're ostracized for saying that I believe prosecuted. Yeah. yeah. For, for uh, believing Jesus hmm. all the way to like the Supreme court. So, aye, aye, aye. Um, so it's, this movie is made for a very specific audience. So uh, I'm sure like, what are the budgets on these movies? Does it say five million? 
I thought, oh, it's actually a little higher than I thought they'd be. Yeah. But uh, there's definitely a market for them for sure. The problem is, and we've heard this about, uh, I think Tyler was talking about this before as someone, as a Christian who likes and watches a lot of Christian movies. He's like, you know, Christian movies, if they were just better, more people would watch them. Like, he said, make the movie good first, and then you can actually, if you want to make a, quote, Christian movie, which is, uh, I think, a, a valid point. Yeah. Um, the next is Site Spotlight and the fan feedback. Um, Neil's weekly film news, CJ's remo- review of Bloodfather, which is the the uh, Mel Gibson Taken movie, mm-hmm. and Florence Foster Jenkins, the new Meryl Streep film. So you can check those out on the uh, site. And uh, been a lot of really good uh, Twitter comments as well. We've been watching those, a lot of uh, interaction. And uh, one of the things, like I said, we like you guys to be uh, beta testers every once in a while. Let us know if you can comment on the articles. So that should be working. Like if you read uh, Neil's articles or if you read like CJ's review and you have a comment, uh, I want to make sure those are working. So check out, see if you can comment on those. And uh, also premiering this week the remake of ben-hur wow somebody's gonna lose some money or ben him (laughs) uh yeah yeah. i uh some i don't even know how the pitch went like this well it's fast and the furious with chariots because if you look at the way it's shot it's like it's all just slick glossy and it's the director of uh abraham lincoln vampire hunter who also it's a russian director uh, who also did um, Night Watch and Day Watch, which was all kind of crazy effects-driven I don't know, nonsense man. shots, you yeah. could call you could call them. It looks ridiculous. The, the entire movie looks ridiculous. Like, go find a nice restored version of the original. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Nobody is asking for this movie. No, no one's asked for it. I'm sorry um, to say. I, I don't think there's a demand for it. And even if there was some way to remake this film in an interesting and compelling and stylized way, this wouldn't be it. Yeah. So Agreed. I want to give uh, a quick, I'm sorry, a quick fan feedback. I, I reposted an article on the Comedy Film Red site uh, of the open letter to the Warner Brothers CEO. Um, and I just wrote my thoughts exactly. And we had a lot of responses from you guys. Uh, Mikey Garland wrote, this is great, but it doesn't matter because the asshole running the studio clearly doesn't give a fuck about anyone or anything. <laughs> Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate the thoughts on that. <laughs> a calm, considered response yes, from Mikey. Yes. And not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> Morgan Field just writes, yep, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, appreciate the response on that. So, and the, the next movie coming out is Kubo and the Two Strings. And I am unbelievably excited about this movie. It looks really cool. It looks it, fantastic. It, 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 it looks like it's yeah. it's sort of uh, doing all of the right things that like Kung Fu Panda 1 and 3 did. Yes, and also just the um, the stop motion animation, which is pretty much a dying art. There's only literally one studio doing it anymore, and it's this one. They did Box Trolls and uh, a couple other ones, and I'm kind of in the middle of Box Trolls right now. My kids have already seen it, but they wanted to see it again, and it's unbelievable the painstaking detail of these models and these environments, and they're really, really beautiful. So I this has everything I love: stop motion animation, fantasy. And um, a samurai movie, <laughs> all kind of together. And I love that, like it's like the hero, the little boy, he's missing an eye, so he's already he has an eye. Patch. <laughs> so it's already it looks really, really cool. And um, it seems like it also kind of plays around with the conventions a little bit. Like you know, the monkey is 
is the mentor that's kind of taking him through this journey. And uh, <laughs> can't you ever say anything like positive and uh, or um, hopeful? And she says something like, and it's Shirley's throne is voicing the monkey. It's like, well, of course. she says something like, uh, I don't remember the exact quote in the trailer, but it's funny. It was like, well, I'm hopeful that you won't die. You know, something like ridiculous. Um, but it looks like a really fun movie. I'm excited. My kids are excited to see it. We will be seeing it this weekend. And I'm glad to see, too, that this type of technology, like stop-motion animation, isn't completely dead. There's at least one company still doing it. So I'm there. Um, coming out uh, also is War Dogs. Yes. So this looks... I, I, I'm, I'm so can't decide on this movie because it is based on a true story. That yes. is intriguing to me. I really like Miles Teller. Um, Jonah Hill, when he's not being all Jonah Hilly, is mm-hmm. I can handle. I'd like to know too how much of it is based on a true story, right. like and how much is like creative licensed, like because uh, in some of the scenes it looks like oh, there's no way that really. It's directed by Todd Phillips, mm-hmm. so he did Old School and he also right. did The Hangover, but he also did Due Date and Hangover Two and Three. Let's not forget Road Trip, which I actually love. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like, um, I don't know. I don't know mm. if it's... I'm not on board for this movie. Uh, I can almost guarantee you at some point in the runtime of this film, there's going to be a line, something to the effect of, they're not dogs, they're gods. And the fact that that might happen makes me want to die. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see Something that. like that is going to happen in this movie. And that might I... just be in the director's cut. You know, you don't know. It might not be in the theatrical version. <laughs> what if it happens every 20 minutes? Yeah, I'm... I'm... Then it was Oof. per studio note. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, there's a lot of questions about this that I don't know. It might just have a really slick trailer and then... Could be. And it could be a mess. It could be a mess. I think any sliver of a chance that I was going to see this movie disappeared as soon as there was a Scarface inspired poster. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's pretty heinous. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the next movie <laughs> is pretty heinous. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. Um, I think they just photoshopped the heads off of Scarface. That like yeah, literally they just, well, the well, they added a second poster. head. They yeah. just put in Miles. They put a second <laughs> yeah. head in there. Um, also, this is going to be Jonah Hill being very Jonah Hilly throughout the whole thing. Yeah, but almost with, certainly with a gun. Yeah, that makes it worse. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you you sadly could be correct. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I wanted to mention this next movie, even though it's in a limited release, just because it's an interesting um, experiment, I think, for Sony. Uh, it's called Kingsglaive Final Fantasy XV. Now, it is obviously based on a video game, but what's interesting is that the video game isn't out yet. So the question is, will the fans go to see this? And Final Fantasy movies have not had a... Um, let's say, a good history at the box office uh, and also with the critics and also mm. with just people watching them. They've been terrible. There's mm-hmm. uh, The Spirits Within was uh, generic and awful. And yeah, then, water uh, trash. Uh, yeah, and then there was another one, uh, uh, Final Fantasy Advent Children, yep. that was mm-hmm. completely um, incomprehensible. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's it, a bonkers movie. Yeah, it, it really, it made no sense. So... I watched the trailer in this movie. It's got, like, Aaron Paul and a couple, like, uh, Lena Headley, like, some actual Hollywood voices. Uh, in, I thought it was movie. live action for a second. I was like, yeah. holy shit. No, no, it was, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you can see the sense. technology, that the way sense. we've advanced where um, there's a couple times where you kind of have to look twice, like, wait, is that animated or is that, you know, mm. realistic? So, um, 
do you know where this takes place? Like if it's before the events of the game? It has or? to be before okay. because it, the way the release schedule is, it yeah. has to be kind of like a prequel. So I'm wondering, like, is there something to the fact, because it's released by Sony, Sony mm. PlayStation, and sure. it's, you know, even though it's a Japanese company, Square Enix made the, the film. Certainly. Like, were the bean counters figuring out, you know, if we release this movie, it'll generate enough interest in the game, and it doesn't matter if the movie doesn't make money, we'll make it back up in game sales. I wouldn't doubt that at all. Yeah. I think the gaming world, there's so much money there. I think mm. they're, they're coming at movies from a completely different strategy. Correct. They're not yes. coming at like that that old of like, the movie is the top of the mountain. Right. You make this thing, whatever it is, a book, a video game, a com, and then and then it's a movie. And I think they're right. just like, the movie is just like a rung on their marketing ladder. Right, to drive the video game To drive game the video sales. game sales because mm-hmm. video game sales are just fucking insane. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think, is, uh, the movie's 10 to 15 a ticket, a video game is 60. Yeah, I, I don't think Final Fantasy 15 needs any help or promotion. Like, I think right. everybody who's going to buy that is, yeah. is already right. on it's, board. It's what they call like a AAA title. This is the one yeah. where you know, oh, the, it, it drives yeah. system sales. People buy the system just to play that game. for sure for and it's sure. been in development for how many years now uh, like over five for yeah, sure yeah like, so it, it's a big giant basically yeah. i mean if you had the the same terms it would be a tentpole game mm-hmm. so it's interesting that they're releasing a movie to support like you're saying a tentpole game yeah this is the first time i'm hearing about this movie but uh like knowing a little bit about this game i, I have to wonder if are you a gamer uh sort of very casually i think mm-hmm. like Two very good friends of mine uh, who are based like in and around the Chicago area are like weirdly like YouTube celebrities and like do let's plays. Are you familiar with that like no. subgenre? Watch, watch me play. Yeah, yeah. That, that that is so fascinating to me on YouTube that there's and there's people huge followings yeah. making a crazy money. It's like toy unboxing. Kind of, kind of like yeah. they do it from a, a more of like a like an intellectual sort of like comedic commentary space, mm-hmm. and so most of my knowledge from video gaming or of video gaming is through that filter right. of them sort of playing through these games and showing how everything works and mm-hmm. uh, revealing you know little secrets and mm-hmm. you know alongside humorous commentary. But uh, through that filter, I know uh, at least enough about Final Fantasy fifteen to know that it's kind of an atypical plot or like the characters are slightly atypical and that it's kind of like uh, a boy band is kind of like the mm-hmm. the main characters it's like right. four dudes four bros in a car mm-hmm. sort of just like yeah. chilling mm-hmm. out together yep my, my my thought process not knowing too much about this movie or really anything about this movie before you mentioned it by the way the trailer tells you nothing when you watch that trailer, doesn't surprise like, me yeah it's like well i still that doesn't have no idea me. okay there's a crystal there's a battle there's uh there's a king <laughs> par for the final yeah, fantasy yeah. course and there's there's monsters and vehicles got it got it <laughs> i can't help but wonder though if the movie's relationship to the final game is anything like uh like metal gear solid the phantom pains relationship to ground zeros ground zeros was a sort of like rushed early version of metal gear solid 5 it was actually a video game mm. But it basically kind of functioned as a sort of long-form demonstration version that was released because the full game was sort of running late. Like it oh, was, interesting. It was delayed in well, terms of its schedule. I, I think the way this is being set up is more of like, this is a prequel to set you up to play the game. It yeah. really feels that way. I mean, when it comes out, we could figure it out. We could find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it really feels that way and it feels like a specific, um, strategy. And it yeah. also, it's like, it's not like they just throw it together. It's not like, sure. a, uh, you know, he still takes a fair amount of money for rendering and yeah, you know, hiring for sure. the voice for talent sure. and stuff. So, 
um, it wasn't an afterthought. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it does. All right. Cool. Episode triple threes. Yep. Put, put it, it in the books. Lock it down. Lock it in. Lock it down. Yeah. Lock it up. <laughs> I don't know what I'm uh, Oh, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to mention, too, is uh, we have a couple of new things in the store. We are now carrying all of the Crab Feast merchandise. Nice. So there are... I believe three different styles of t-shirts there. We don't have all the sizes in, but we'll definitely be reordering. But whatever we have is on the site now. So if you're a Crab Feast fan, check it out. You can buy the shirts from Crab us Crab Feast now. is also in LA Podfest. Yes, also in LA Podfest. LAPodfest.com. We're, um, we're actually doing really, we're really, really excited about Podfest this year. I have to say, this is a really cool year for us. Uh, we've got a lot of really big shows. We've got a lot of uh, some of your favorites. and But we're going to be doing some cool things with the parties and... Um, the well, we've live got Welcome to Night Vale. We've got yeah. Criminal. Those are giant yeah. shows. And Rooster Teeth and Rooster Dude Teeth Soup. And They're dude, those huge, are huge, huge shows. shows. Talk about gaming. Yeah, like yeah. those are giant shows. Yeah, and it's going to be really, really. Fun. My favorite Murder, which is Karen Kilgariff's new yes. show, which has skyrocketed. Yep. Um, which is fantastic. Like we've never, I've known, we've mm-hmm. both known Karen for yeah. years. Never and stuff you should know. Stuff you should know yeah. is back again. Mm-hmm. There, these are huge, right? Huge shows. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of listeners each show. Uh, some of them, some of them in the millions. Some of them in the millions. Yeah. So these mm-hmm. are these are these are giant shows on top of like. You know your favorites who yeah. charted. Uh, and I'm personally excited because uh, I get to meet Will Wheaton. He's yeah. going to be on the show. It's weird, where like I'm excited to meet a guest. Like he's yeah. going to, oh, this is going to be awesome. And uh, I was talking to Jackie Cation, and because uh, Will Wheaton does a um, a gaming kind of like mm-hmm. video podcast, a tabletop, a tabletop, right? yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Jackie was so excited. She was like, "You have to have me on the show, and then I will have every single one of your staff under Dork Forest." So they took the deal. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, cool. Well, that's uh, that's our show. So, uh, Samuel, how can people reach you online? What do you got? Website? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at SB Prime. Uh, same for Facebook if you mm-hmm. use that as well. Uh, my website is lacinesalon.com. L-A-C-I-N-E-S-A-L-O-N. It's basically a space where... Uh, I post film reviews. Uh, there are occasional web-based screenings of uh, contemporary undistributed movies, as well as essays and like fun little like video experiments, like weird stuff that I just edit together. You know, sometimes you just watch uh, a mid-80s uh, feel-good gymnastics movie and feel like, hey, I think there's a horror movie buried inside this. And, <laughs> and then you make that trailer. <laughs> well, that's what so. you did at the junk show, which I thought was really cool. You recut a movie... Which I think is so cool. I, I love yeah. seeing that. Yeah, that's something that I've wanted to do for a while. It's uh, a friend of mine, Jean Baptiste Leonetti, uh, made this movie, which was based on this YA novel called uh, The Reach. Mm-hmm. The movie was called Beyond the Reach, and he made it with Michael Douglas. And uh, he had in his mind that he wanted this to be kind of like pop, wild B movie western. But Michael Douglas, I think, wanted it to be a sort of oscar contention drama Mm -hmm. and so the movie uh, as it was released and as it exists doesn't quite work and so what i tried to do for the junk show and uh and for the movie itself was try to unearth that wild b movie buried inside you know so keep it keep you know any new stuff you're doing email it to us we'll post it on our facebook page and stuff like that i think our fans would love that stuff yeah Mm -hmm. so also a true fact that i just want to let everybody know is that uh i'm in knight of cups uh, the Terrence Malick movie. I have a cameo yes. in it. Mm-hmm. 
it's actually a rumor I want to spread, but tell everyone that it's a true fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Godard's King Lear. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, see, I'm performing in Camarillo uh, tomorrow night, uh, the 17th. Um, got some other shows coming up. Uh, September 1st, we'll be up in Seattle um, doing a little podcast about movies with another gentleman. Uh, <laughs> um and um, uh, check that out, guys. Follow uh, at Comedy Film Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our Facebook page, like it. Um, positive reviews, guys. We talk about, you know, spend 20 bucks with us once a year, and that can keep us afloat. If you're looking to do something right now, there's some new, like you said, there's new merchandise on the website or by the live stream. Use coupon code CFN. The show yep. gets paid by when you use our coupon code. Yep, that helps, too. That or, helps, too. you know, and if you, if you can't, you know, you're financially strapped. No worries. You know, um, good reviews like Grandma saying. Five on, star uh, reviews on iTunes. Yeah, on iTunes, though, all that helps. There, all that helps. Plenty so, of things to do for free. Clicking a like button, retweeting mm-hmm. a comedy film nerd's tweet, following us on the social media. Right. All those things are great and help. And tell your friends. You know, whoever yes. you've got on your other social media is something that was really cool. And, and I will say too, you guys have been uh, asking if we'll uh, do. Sp- more spoiler apps and also movie commentaries throughout whole films, uh, especially movies that we don't want to see. Uh, we're going to be exploring that uh, after the festival. We're going to be seeing if we can kind of put all that together. We love doing the spoiler apps. It's a scheduling mm-hmm. thing. We try. We'll, we'll definitely. We love doing them. We'll try to do more. But the commentary on movies that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, There's yeah. Gonna we're gonna. Be, we're working on that. We're now. working on that. So, <clears throat> you guys are awesome. Thanks for uh, all your support. And uh, thank you once again, Samuel Prime, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Grant Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Metropolis. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs>